0: Starting in verse 1. So, and then we'll give it the end. We'll give it the end. I haven't forgotten about that. So, during those days, during those days, the Roman emperor, Caesar Augustus, ordered that the first census be taken throughout his empire. Uh, verse 3, and we'll skip that little uh, parenthesis. Or, um, yeah, it's not needed information. I'm going to skip that. Verse 3, everyone had to travel to his or her hometown to complete the mandatory census. So Joseph and his fiancée, Mary, left Nazareth, a village in Galilee, and journeyed to their hometown in Judea, to the village of Bethlehem, King David's ancient home. That's really important. They were required to register there since they were both direct descendants of David. Mary was pregnant and nearly ready to give birth. Nearly ready to give birth. When they arrived in Bethlehem, Mary went into labor and she gave birth to her firstborn son. After wrapping the newborn baby in strips of cloth, they laid him in a feeding trough since there was no available space in any upper room in the village. And um, I'll just mention this, throw this in there. I mentioned it last week, but it ruined people's childhood um, that Jesus, uh, every scholar agrees, was not born in a barn. So um, so uh, I don't know why I'm looking at the camera. It's not even on. So uh, anyway... But uh, so what, where so Bethlehem was a tiny 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 town. It uh, definitely would not have had a hotel, uh, like motel. Y'all, have y'all ever watched Medea's Christmas*? <laughs> it, it, she's telling the story. She's like the Motel Six didn't even leave the light on for him. Um, but anyway, so there was no hotel, no motel, no inn. Uh, so what would have happened is is um, the houses were built two stories. Just fun fact, I like sharing this every Christmas because it just gives some information. They were built two stories. On the top floor would have been the living quarters. And on the bottom floor, it would have been kind of an all-purpose space where it would have had a feeding trough in it, it would have had water. And it would have been where they would have brought frail animals that couldn't survive the elements in for the night to sleep. So, uh, so when Mary and Joseph go to their hometown in Bethlehem, the whole family has come into town as well. And so the reason there was no room in the inn or the upper room, as the passage translation should be, um, was because their whole family was in town. So literally nobody had a guest room for them. So instead, they stayed in this all-purpose room, if you will, underneath the house where animals would have been and a feeding trough would have been. So um, anyway, little fun fact, uh, Jesus was not born in a barn, although that is kind of um, a good, uh, good movie line. So anyway. That night in a field, and people right now just just turn, turning off, like, I can't use center. sinner. Uh, that night in a field near Bethlehem, there were shepherds watching over their flocks. Um, and I've got something really cool. Will you remind me to share about what I told you this morning about the planets and all that other stuff? Remind me at the end. So, um, There were shepherds watching over their flocks. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared in radiant splendor before them, lighting up the field with the blazing glory of God, and the shepherds were terrified. But the angel reassured them, saying, Don't be afraid, or fear not, for I have come to bring you good good news, the most joyous news the world has ever heard. And it is for everyone everywhere. This is maybe the most important scripture in all of this. Uh, just listen to this from a perspective of an Israelite uh, who hadn't heard from the Lord in 400 years and maybe the darkest moment in Israel's history. Now, think of, think of this, hearing this from that perspective, okay? This is what the angel says. Today in Bethlehem, okay, which would have rung a chord, struck a chord because that's where David is from. And the Messiah was going to come from the line of David, okay? So today in Bethlehem, a rescuer was born for you. Listen to this. This is from the Aramaic. He is the Lord Yahweh, the Messiah. Can you imagine this? Haven't heard from the Lord in 400 years since Malachi. And all of a sudden, this angel shows up and says, Today in Bethlehem, a rescuer was born. He is God himself, the Messiah. Whoo! Right? Unbelievable. Verse 12. You will recognize him by this miracle sign. You'll find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a feeding trough. Then all at once, a vast number of glorious angels appeared, the very armies of heaven, and they all praised God, singing, Glory to God in the highest realms of heaven, for there is peace and a good hope Given to the sons of men, when the choir of angels disappeared back to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, "Let's go, let's hurry and find this word that is born in Bethlehem, and see for ourselves what the Lord has revealed to us." So they ran into the village and found, or excuse me, and found their way to Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in a feeding trough. Upon seeing. This miracle sign, or this miraculous sign, excuse me. The shepherds recounted what had just happened. Everyone who heard the shepherd's story was astonished by what they were told, but Mary treasured all these things in her heart and often pondered what they meant. The shepherds returned to their flock ecstatic over what had happened. They praised God and glorified him for all they had seen and heard for themselves, just like the angel had said. So when God seemed... When God seemed most distant, okay? At that point, 400 years of where in the world has God gone, okay? When he seemed most distant, he was actually in this moment closer than he had ever been in history, which was the Messiah, God himself, in flesh. And I read this last week. John says, in the beginning was the word, the word became flesh, and dwelt among us. Jesus I think a lot of times we um, we have an easy time seeing Jesus as man. Um, and I want you to track with me. Jesus is 100% God, 100% man. He's not 50-50. He's not 75-25. He's 100% God and 100% man all at the same time, right? A lot of times we have an easy Viewpoint seeing him as man, but I think where we sell ourselves short is seeing him as fully God and so when this baby is laying in a feeding trough and we picture just a a baby laying in a feeding trough, it doesn't impact us that much I mean it's it's we kind of you know like man Jesus laying in a feed trough man that's that's crazy, but it doesn't have the impact on me until I stop to think about. God himself lying in a feeding trough. The same God, in fact, I read this last week, John 1, that the word spoke and everything came into existence because of Jesus. All of it. The same Jesus that said, let there be light, and where there had been no light before, light burst onto the scene The same Jesus that spoke all of creation into creation is now laying in a feeding trough where animals eat. God himself. Think about this. So he's laying there. He's closer than God had ever been to us. We had been oppressed. A Greco-Roman culture had been shoved down our throats. Our temples, or for our, let's say churches, had become hubs for idol worship and religion, we were lost, we were hopeless, and in terms of family, we were homeless. And then they get this announcement, the 14th verse. I just read it, but just just let me read this one more time, okay? They get this announcement. Glory to God, as they're singing. Glory to God in the highest realms of heaven, for now there is peace and hope given to the sons of men. We didn't deserve any of that. There is peace and hope. I would would imagine if the Messiah is coming, I would imagine, one, if I were an Israelite, I probably would have dreaded the Messiah coming, number one, from the sense that we had gone so far from God that when God himself comes to save us, the first thing he's going to do is judge how far we'd run from him. And so they get an announcement. Glory to God in the highest realms of heaven, for there is judgment And death to the sons of men. That's what they're expecting, right? And then they hear, for there is peace and hope given to the sons of men. Peace and hope. On that cold, lonely night in Bethlehem, the smallest, most insignificant place, Bethlehem, in a place where the family kept frail animals from the elements, our king lay in a feeding trough. In the midst of our rebellion, in the midst of our running, he came as us to bring us back to him, as him in identity. Let me say this one more time. In the midst of our rebellion, running from him, losing our minds, he came as us to re-identify us as him. My 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 fear going into Christmas this year. Because some of you have been in a group chat with us. Um, if you come on Tuesday nights, you're in that group chat. And I mentioned this Friday. I feel like with this kindness stuff that we've been talking about lately, it's been so significant to me, I feel like I've been born again all over again. I just cry and cry and cry and cry and cry. And there is this song, um, When I Think Upon Christmas, it's by hill song. Go listen to it before Christmas is over. And, um, but there's a line at the end that says, um, when I look back in reverence, to that holy night, how the God of the heavens had us on his mind. And just thinking about the the magnitude, and it hit me this week, and I'm jumping ahead of myself, but it hit me this week that God's response to us and our inability to, let's say, climb into the heavens by our works. See, we were given the law so that his kingdom could come through the law. We were unable to do the works of the law. And so because we couldn't work our way into the kingdom, God didn't respond and say, you can't do it? Fine, then you're not going to get the kingdom. He responded and said, if you can't climb your way into the kingdom, I'll bring the kingdom to you. If you can't climb your way into the heavens, I'll bring the heavens to you. If you can't climb your way into face-to-face communion, I'll come to you for face-to-face communion. And then you have Jesus, the Messiah, who says, Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's what Philip said. This has been so, so impactful to me lately, is when Philip says, "If If you'll just show us the Father, everything will be okay. And Jesus says, Philip, how long have I been with you and you still don't get it? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I, oh, man. I have wept over that verse. Wept over the verse. Because all of us grew up in a religion that said God is way out there and mad. And then we come at Christmas. Well we literally, We think Jesus is the good guy. He's easy to please. He's happy. He's nice. He's loving. But the Father... Is the angry side of the Godhead that's mad, and it's literally like Jesus is in between us and the Father, saying, "Please don't strike him dead." All the time, this is how this is how we view it, right? What what is Jesus saying when he says, "If you've Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father." The same Jesus that goes to the woman they're about to stone, and he says, "All of you who have never sinned, go ahead and throw the stone." And they all walk away and he looks at the woman and says, where are your accusers? They're gone. Neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. That father, not the one that they were going to stone to death because God was bringing judgment. He was bringing judgment. But the way he was bringing judgment was through a Messiah that says, get up. I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. The kindness, Romans 2, this has been my verse lately. The kindness of God is what leads men to repentance. How many people have been standing on a corner with a megaphone and not saying turn or burn, how many people have been on a corner that said, God is kind? He's kind. He's not mad. He's kind. I wonder how many people we would win if we gave that message. Do you know why? Because Paul says, it's the kindness of God that leads men to repentance. Maybe the reason we haven't led as many people to repentance is because we have no idea how kind he is. And Christmas is the moment in history, the moment in history where God says, you don't understand who I am, so I'm going to prove it to you. And there's a baby crying just like us yet completely unlike us so that we could go from where we were to completely unlike who we were before. He related to us in all ways, tempted with every form of evil so that we could relate to him in all ways in the full righteousness and right standing that God longed to give us that we could never earn on our own. This is what Christmas is. Psalm 139, 17. I read it last week. Every thought he has is about me. Every thought that crosses his mind is about you. I mean, you think about that? When you're praying, when you're trying to beg him for things, or you're trying to earn things, or you're trying to make sure you work or pray this amount or read this amount or sing this amount. Do you ever, do you ever have the thought? Every second he's thinking of me, every moment he's thinking of me, when he sees Jesus laying in a feeding trough, the thoughts going across his mind is there's going to be a Joshua in 2020 that's going to have access to what no eye has seen, no ear has heard because of what I'm doing in the feeding trough right now. That's, that's who God is. This is who God is. He gave himself to us to show us the extravagance of his loving kindness to us. I've only got two pages today. Jesus coming as God. Jesus coming was God saying, if they can't earn it, I'll earn it for them by coming as them. Is this the God that you know? This is what I want to talk about just for a second. Is this the God that you and I know? The God most know is a God unwilling to do anything for us until we fix our mess. The God that most people know is a God unwilling to do anything for us until we fix our mess. But the God of Christmas of this narrative says if you can't fix your mess, I'll fix it for you and give you your hope and peace back. This is what it says. We didn't earn Jesus coming to the earth. In fact, we, we earned being struck down. We didn't earn Jesus coming to the earth. And yet here Jesus is with the announcement, peace and a good hope is given to the sons of man. Why? Just because I want to. That's it. We meant so much to him that he was willing to trade everything he had just to make the announcement, I give you hope and peace back. He says, I don't care how much it costs to get you back. Even if I have to come in the flesh and die for you, I just want you back. I think we need to be really cautious giving men, and by men I mean humans, qualities that God does not have. So we make statements like this, and I've said this before going into Christmas. We make statements like this around this time. It's better to give than receive. How many of you have heard that? If you haven't, you ain't been watching Hallmark, right? It's, it's better to give than receive. And yet, so we say that, we give that quality to us. And yet we look at God and we think his mindset is, it's better to receive than to give. Do you see how we do this? So we, we see ourselves as more capable of loving unconditionally than Yahweh himself, who John says is love because we weren't introduced to Yahweh in religion, we were introduced to a god labeled as Yahweh, who actually is nothing like Yahweh. Growing up, I heard a lot of messages about um, there, well, a lot of every week was about the rapture, but a lot of messages about the rapture, a lot of messages about judgment, a lot of messages about H E L L, a lot of messages about how we're worthless. And a lot of messages about if you sin, you got to repeat the prayer because you backslid. So like I tell you all all the time, I've repeated the prayer 500, 714 times, right? Just over and over. A lot of my parents, and I do this thing. We, I, this is just yeah, funny. I used to do this all the time, but my parents would just be like doing something. So I'd be like, hey, mom. And I hear nothing, and my heart would drop in my stomach because I thought I just missed the rapture. Did, you, did anybody else do this, or did I'm just crazy? Yeah, yeah. Mom, Dad, you yeah. <laughs> know, it's like home alone. Um, and I start, I literally, I remember praying this, just a, just a joke. I remember praying this multiple times. Lord, just come back for me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I missed it. But just take a detour. Come back. Get me. We'll all be, you know, I can't survive on my own. And, um, and then I'd hear my mom say something to me, like, you know. So, but this is the God I grew up being introduced to. He was angry. He wanted to leave me behind. He didn't want me with him. right. That's who I I was introduced to. So when I start reading things like in Romans 2, it's the kindness of God that leads men to repentance. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's the anger of God that leads men to repentance. I mean, every every Christmas, if you leave here and get in a car wreck on your way home, where will you be? If you're not sure, you should probably get sure. You You know what I mean? And then we gave everybody fruit baskets at the end, just to you know, say I'm sorry. But, you know what I'm saying? And, and I, I joke, I joke, because it is a joke, because a lot of us grew up being introduced to that God. If you didn't grow up being introduced to that God, you grew up in, being introduced to the God who's totally apathetic, which people ask me all the time what apathetic means. It just means lazy. It just means like, bleh, like who cares, that type of attitude. Okay. So we grew up, we, if you weren't introduced to my type of God, you were introduced to your type of God, which is apathetic, Which is, he don't care. He's hands off. He selected a select few for heaven. So if you're not in that select few, then sorry, you know, whatever. It's to say the Holy Spirit don't want anything to do with us today. That was for way back then. You know, so, but very few of us were introduced to the one whose nature is kind. Whose nature is love. Whose nature is so kind that he filled a baby with the fullness of the Godhead so that we could be rescued. That's the God of Christianity. That's the God of the Israelites, and that's the God of you and I. And if there's nothing else we get this Christmas, I believe and I'm praying that this Christmas we start a trajectory of really understanding who God actually is. Going into next year, this is what all of next year is going to be about. We're gonna start. We're gonna talk about first day one. What is salvation? What is baptism? What is the Holy Spirit? How should we date within this family? How should we have marriages within this family? How should we have? We're gonna go through all this foundational stuff. Do you know why? Because we got to relearn who He is. We have to, or we're gonna miss it. Jesus said, "Pray like this, Papa. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth." Why on earth would it come to the earth? It's filthy and nasty and all that. Because his affections were on the ones that he raised from the dirt, that he knit together in our mother's wombs, that are fearfully and wonderfully made, that he created with a purpose, with a legacy, with a design, and with a DNA that looks identical to that of Jesus Christ himself. So stop giving men qualities that God doesn't have. If we strive in this season to understand it's better to give than receive, we need to make sure that we understand he has mastered the quality it's better to give than receive. Because like I said last week, what we have to give him, worthless. And the only reason it has worth is because it's coming from a son or daughter. Right? But he don't care what we got to give him. He cares about who we are. He cares that this Christmas you get convinced that you're actually a son or daughter of God, not by a religious title, not by just saying, "No, brother, I'm a son or daughter of God," but by fully believing I'm a son or daughter of God. So then you start praying for things like, "Lord, I Lord, we need a car." Papa, this is, I'm saying this recently because we just got a car. Like, we we need a car. And we need a good deal on a car. You know, but you start approaching him boldly and not just bringing him your you know, gracious father, you know, like all that stuff. But you start coming like you would your dad, Papa. I don't know how I'm going to make it through this work day. Could you help me? And in full trust, believe that he is the God who is kind. Christmas should settle it. This is real simple. Christmas should settle it. We need to stop striving to give God anything Until we learn how to abide in the lifestyle of receiving his love and kindness. One more time. This is my last couple of notes. Last ones. This is my last one. Christmas should settle it. We need to stop striving to give God anything until we learn how to abide in the lifestyle of receiving his love and kindness. And I put this note, your worship should be a thank you to what you've received, not a please to what you have to earn. Your worship should be a thank you to what you've received, not a please to what you have to earn. The most stressful, at least for me, the most stressful part of Christmas is is getting a gift that people are going to like. Would y'all agree? Like, maybe some of y'all wouldn't. But, uh, You know, when you're talking about family or, you know, your wife or whatever, it's like when you're not just going to go out and buy whatever. You've got to go out and buy something that you know they're going to like, right? And so you work and you work and you stress and you stay up late because it's like, man, I thought they would like this, but what if they don't like this? And, man, is this even going to be the right gift? And what if I didn't spend enough money? You know what I mean? All that type of stuff. And we stress over what we give. And that's a lot of times what our worship looks like is, man, I didn't, I didn't read my Bible, but five minutes today, man, he's not going to be happy. You know, I didn't pray, but like three times this week, he's not going to be happy. I really got to earn it this week. You know? And he says, no, no, no. When we were at our worst, Jesus came. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And while he's dying, he looks at the ones who just nailed him to a cross and said, Father, forgive them. They didn't know. I mean, that's that's who God is. That's who he is. Forgive them. They just didn't know what they were doing. They come into the garden to take him. Peter slices off somebody's ear. Jesus takes the ear and puts it back onto the one who was about to take him to a cross. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I mean, think about it. Think about it. A baby laying in a manger. If you've seen me. You've seen the Father. Matt, I do think I want you to come up and play keys. Actually, I was going to do it without, but um, I hope people are still on here. I don't even know if that's still going, but that's okay. I feel. I just feel like in this moment right here, um, we're going to take communion. Hopefully, you got one. If you didn't, they're out there right in the back. If you didn't, um, <laughs> and there it goes. <laughs> um, Who needs one? Raise your hands. Raise your hands. Raise your hands. Wow. So now we know that. Right here. Right here. Yep. Uh, Yeah, throw (laughs) You get a cup and you get a cup. Oh. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah, y'all go ahead and get that. Oh, I made it this whole time sitting down. Me too. Man, y'all are very supportive. Thank you. Um, I'm just kidding. Where's my... Oh, there it is. Almost. Um, I don't even know if y'all can see me, but hey. uh, So go ahead and get it ready because it's a booger to get ready, but... Um, here's why we do communion every Christmas, um, and why we're doing it this year, is because I just want us to have a uh, a, a marker, I guess, of the moment that went through through Jesus. Because this is what it is. It's you know, it's, it's the body and blood. But this is Jesus. You're consuming Jesus. He tells the people that come and try to get him to feed them again. He says, "Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me." So. This is a symbol of us becoming one. It's a symbol of your sins being forgiven, and uh, the body that was broken for you. And remember, absolutely. But really, ultimately, what this is is you becoming one. It's a symbol for us to recognize that we have so joined to each other that I have consumed His flesh and drank it. Drink, drink, drink His blood. Okay. So, uh, so here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna take communion. And then I'm just going to pray over us that we would this 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 Christmas, as we go throughout this week, would just mark us in a turning. It has for me, mark a turning point for us that says, if I didn't know He was kind before, I'm going to begin this discovery of knowing He's kind, of knowing that He is love, of knowing I couldn't earn it even if I tried. We did try, and we royally messed it up. It's called the Old Testament right? We tried and messed it up. So he shifted the plan on us and said, you tried and failed, now I'm going to come and try on your behalf and win. So, um, if you will, get, get the body, the cracker, the flake. <laughs> this doesn't have COVID in it. but It might have other stuff. No, I'm just kidding. Um, huh. <laughs> So I just, just, just take this for, I'm gonna pray over this and we'll take it. Lord, I pray that as we take this representation of your body, um, Lord, I pray that it would do something in us to recognize that we've become one with you. That we've taken the flesh of the Messiah, fully God, yet fully man. In your name, amen. Y'all go ahead and take it. flesh is a little chewy (laughs) and Lord I pray over the blood right now the juice that represents the blood Um, I pray that, that this the life blood as you would say in the Old Testament in the Old Testament they weren't allowed to consume anything that had blood life blood still in it the blood had to be spilled and um Jesus comes to the earth and then dies and then gives us the command to take what represents his blood. The blood represents his life. It represents his DNA. It represents his makeup. And so as we take this, I just want you to visualize that his life is becoming our life that his makeup, his genetic makeup is becoming our genetic makeup, the likeness of God. So Lord, I pray that over us in your name. Amen. Y'all go ahead and take it. We, um, I was thinking about this. So the feeding trough, and I'm gonna wrap it up, that Jesus was laid in, was near a field. You know the shepherds were in the field. I just read that field. Most scholars believe was either um, was either the uh, field of Boaz, um, which we read about in Ruth. So it was either the field of Boaz, or it was the field that David um, watched over his sheep in. Either way the shepherds were in the field and the sheep that they were watching over were the sacrificial lambs, would have been, most scholars agree, would have been the sacrificial lambs, okay? That at Passover would have been the sacrificial lambs. So Jesus was placed in a feeding trough. The feeding trough was where the lambs that would have been used for the sacrifice would have been placed so that they would be without blemish. So that the the lamb that was sacrificed had to be a lamb without blemish, blemish, says in the Old Testament. So they would have placed that lamb in the feeding trough that Jesus was placed in, the sacrificial lamb. So as he is born into the earth, and I think this is really interesting, and if you get weird with prophetic stuff, that's okay. This may not be a prophetic thing. I just think it's really interesting uh, that Tomorrow night, the season changes. We're going from fall to winter. Winter is the season that everything dies. Everything's dead, right? And uh, and it's Christmas week. But there's something happening tomorrow night that only happens every, I think, 800 years. And uh, and it would have happened. It would have happened um, from my best study and from a lot of other people's best study um, around the same time that Jesus was born. So around 4 BC, give or take, Jesus was born around 6 BC, give or take. So um, give or take a few decimals, you know. Anyway, and so tomorrow night, uh, the two largest planets in our solar system align. And I think you've probably seen this. And when it does, it will create this, this mega star, if you will, right? Everybody's been calling it the Christmas star on the night that the season changes and on that night, and this rarely ever happens, there's also a meteor shower happening at the same time. And so, Merry Christmas. Hey, Mike, Mike, I'm gonna have you sit down, all right? And uh, I just, I believe this has been a a different year. And, um, you know, I've been talking about this for a while, but like, we could look at this year one of two ways. We could look at it in the sense that, like, it's been an awful year. Um, or we could look at it in the sense that we're right where we need to be. And, um, and this has been a year where we have learned how to rest. We've learned how to trust. We've learned really how to trust. We've learned what it means to be sons and daughters of God under the covering of of what God has for us and his protection and his guidance. We've learned that this year. We've learned what it means to have unfailing love from him and then toward others. But I wonder, and it's really important, I wonder if to end out this year, oh, on top of this, I saw this this morning, that very rarely does the whole United States have very similar weather, but tomorrow night, almost the entire United States is crystal clear. And um, so anyway, so here's what I, here's, here's I want to encourage you. I wonder if the Lord, because remember, when Jesus came, it was a, the darkest point in history, 400 years of nothing. And then there's a star leading people where? To Jesus. So I wonder if tomorrow night, and again, if you're weird about this, I'm not saying this is prophetic. I'm just saying it's very interesting, okay? That if the Lord is trying to show us that in the midst of darkness, there is a move to the Messiah. Like in the midst of darkness, there is an advent, if you will. I'm not saying the second coming, but a a closeness of the Messiah that we haven't recognized in a really long time. Because we've been doing religion for years and years and years and years and years and years. But I don't know since the Reformation 500 years ago, if we've had this much of an eye, and I say we as in I can only speak for us, but this much of an eye for the Lord to bring us into reforming, into alignment with the truth, orthodoxy. And so as we're going through this week, don't miss this stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like have your eyes open to what the Lord is actually trying to do in us because it is very, very significant. And we're going into a year that we're gonna see the glory of the Lord on display. We're gonna see it, we're gonna see it. But the the thing that Jesus over and over said more than anything else he ever said was, let he who has an ear hear. And so the only way that you would have received the depth of knowledge that Jesus had to give when he was teaching was for you to have an ear to hear what he was saying. And so as we're going into next year, I think this next week, this next couple of weeks is moments for us to get realigned, to have ears to hear and eyes to see what he's gonna do next year. So um, so I'm gonna pray one more time. Um, actually, let's do this. Let's go ahead and give. I know y'all been waiting with anticipation to give. So um, let's go ahead and give. If y'all need to go ahead and get ready, do that. I'm gonna have uh, Ellington. Could you pass it around, dude? Um, I'm gonna have Ellington pass it around. And uh if you need to give online, you can do all that. DreamColumbia.com slash give, all that other fun stuff. Um and then uh, as they give, we're we're gonna pray and, and be done. Bebe, Come over here. Come here. Yes. Yeah, three, three to five. Okay. Hey, come here. Come here. Let's sit right here, I'm stand right here. Want to hold this? Don't turn it on yet. All right, we're going to pray and then we're going to sing, We Wish You a Merry Christmas. Right? Okay, not yet. Lord, let's pray. Lord, um, and y'all can go ahead and finish passing that around just pray. But Lord, I pray that you would uh, do something in us this next couple of weeks that, that, that does that realignment process that begins us um, getting back on track to, to true north. Lord, I pray that this would be the season, the Christmas season, that we finally start to see who you really are, which is kind and loving and giving. And so, Lord, we love you. We honor you in this place. This is your house. So we honor you and thank you for what you've done this year. In your name, amen, amen. You ready? Okay, turn the mic on. You gotta sing with us, everybody, okay? You ready? Can you say something? Yeah. Okay, here we go. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Yay! Say Merry Christmas, everybody. (laughs) I hope y'all have a good Christmas. We're not having church next Sunday. So the next service will be January 3rd um, or group. So anyway, love y'all. Have a good Christmas.